Welcome to another episode of Mission Compliance, Unleashing Growth Potential for Defense Contractors. On today's episode, we discuss strategies and methods for successfully navigating the regulatory landscape. In the fast-paced world of defense contracting, staying abreast of changing laws, regulations, and guidelines is paramount. We'll offer valuable insights into how to proactively prepare your organizations to tackle new requirements and ensuring compliance remains a core strength. Join us as we explore the challenges and opportunities faced by compliance professionals in the defense sector. Discover the top resources they rely on to stay informed, the innovative technologies that aid them in, in their endeavors, and the collaborative efforts required to foster a culture of compliance throughout the organization. Well, whether you're a seasoned compliance officer or an aspiring professional in the field, this episode is a must-listen for anyone seeking to excel in managing cyber and information security risks within the defense industry. Let's dive in and uncover the strategies that empower organizations to confidently navigate the, the complex regulatory landscape and thrive in an ever-changing world. Let's rock. We're joined once again today by Mike Frieder, president of On-Call Compliance Solutions and a CMMC certified professional assessor. So Mike, First of all, thanks for joining us again. Hey, absolutely. Always a pleasure, Roman. So today we're talking about regulations. Last time we talked about the role of the compliance officer within the, within the defense industry. This week, we're diving a bit deeper into that and looking at the minefield of regulations that can sometimes be a challenge to navigate. So how do compliance officers and executives in the defense sector keep track of the ever-changing landscape of laws and regulations with things like NIST, SB 800-171, and CMMC having updates frequently? Man, that, that, this is a phenomenal question. Uh, it, it's a question that um, we often get asked because we're highly unique in the industry in that our entire focus is on compliance uh, in this particular area of compliance. And it is fast paced, it is changing. And I think that to understand that change, I think is to understand, um, you know, number one, uh, we are constantly being bombarded with news and half of that is fake news uh, put out there by other people who are marketing and selling in this industry who just sort of recycle old stuff and make it into new stuff. And that's very confusing because, you know, if you're if you're not attuned to looking at this and really understanding it uh, to the depths that we do, um, you would think that there's quite literally new stuff happening daily with this. And, and that's not quite true. Um, to kind of summarize, NIST SB 800-171 has essentially been out since 2016-17, right? So it came out right at the end of 16, kind of was, was more or less put in law first of 17. Um, so that makes this about a six-year-old uh, law. And then NIST itself really only has two revisions. There's NIST revision one, uh, NIST revision two for SP 800-171. They are talking about NIST revision three that comes out uh, potentially as soon as quarter one of next year. So what I would advocate you know, is number one, we do watch the news like everybody else does. Uh, we do have certain members of our staff who are in touch with some of the authors of NIST SP 800 So frankly, we have, I think, pretty limited inside access to some of the folks that wrote this document and their insights and their thoughts. Um, we certainly are attending cyber AB town halls every month. 
uh, much like you know anybody really should to stay on top of things because that's a reasonable forum. But we're also paying a lot of attention to Department of Defense uh, information flows that we're a part of as a cybersecurity company. You know, there is an entire office of the CMMC in the Pentagon. And so there's a lot of information that flows out there and not everybody has easy access to that. Uh, we as a, a company focused on keeping people safe from cyber attack uh, have information directly from CISA uh, and some other organizations around the Department of Defense that issue uh, those kinds of sort of cybersecurity warnings that occasionally mention CMMC and uh, DFARS and NIST and things like that. So uh, again, I think that, you know, you have several people on our team who are experts and practitioners in the field, and they are, you know, part of their responsibilities here are to keep up with the news and to keep up with whatever the latest developments are. And oftentimes another huge part of our job is to verify that this is actually real information, depending upon what the source is, with people in the government. So uh, we do have a little bit more mature system that we are using than just sort of waiting and reacting to what's going on uh, in the marketplace. How does that help our clients? Well, you know, I'll tell you that we take a very pragmatic approach with our clients. We have been working hard to educate them on what is real and what is not real and what they have to worry about and what they don't have to worry about. For instance, we are not concerned about CMMC right now. We are concerned about DFARS and NIST because when you meet those requirements, CMMC certification should be no big deal. That's what it's supposed to be. But a lot of companies in the marketplace will have you believing that CMMC is this big extra heavy lift and that it's complicated to understand. And I'm here to tell you that it's not. <clears throat> and we continue to verify that because things could evolve and that could always change. They could add additional requirements. They did that in CMMC 1.0. We are the first people out on YouTube to bring a certified third-party assessor on the air, on YouTube Live, and we had a sit-down interview with that person. So we pull in other industry experts. Uh, you know, it, I, I will tell you that we have people on the team now who are certified third-party assessors, um, certified experts, so CMMCCAs or CC, CCAs, CMMC certified assessors. So we have those uh, on staff. I'm one of them. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you that another source of information is, you know, the Cyber ABs training, right? So we've taken training courses and we have upped our knowledge level and we are just generally speaking in a position where um, we focus on what the latest developments are. We filter out the stuff that doesn't matter and we bring the stuff that does matter to our clients. I think another thing is we have an intensive marketing department here. That marketing department is charged with keeping our clients up to date. It's awesome. Uh, we have some unbelievably intelligent people there who are very good at disseminating information, fact-checking, and actually figuring out how to, how to simplify that information to the point where it's, you know, the updates that you really need are as easy as a simple weekly email or a newsletter. Um, and so, you know, that's another huge piece of our program is to uh, ultimately make sure that we are in real time on a weekly basis, delivering good, solid compliance advice to our clients. And, uh, you know, all I can tell you, Roman, is I don't I don't know how other companies do it. Uh, it is a major effort, but we've got a serious, uh, serious team here uh, and we are geared towards this one thing. Uh, and, you know, this one thing is just so very vital and important to our clients that we just considered our duty to keep them up to date. You'll see on the wall behind me, if you're watching us on YouTube, I tried this. I tried this last week. It didn't work out. Com it says compliance right there. It's it's what, it's what we do. I did it right this time. It says compliance right there um it, it's what we do we know what we're doing mike knows what he's doing 
He's been doing it for a long time. Uh, so as we said in the opening, the landscape is ever-changing, and those changes can sometimes throw a wrench into certain plans a business may have. You may you may have touched on this a little bit in your in your first answer so feel free to dig dig down a little bit more what strategies do compliance officers use to assess the impact of new regulations on their organizations and implement necessary changes efficiently yeah great great question you know i think from my perspective um the actions of a compliance officer are built into what is legally mandated in nist sp 10171 um, anytime there is a major update that can affect systems, then we consider that to be an incident. And then the incident goes through an incident response procedure. So, you know, I don't want to overcomplicate this because a lot of people will. Ultimately, the reality of systematic and programmatic changes should be built into your incident response plan so that you have a defined way because it's not like there's going to be one more change. There's going to be constant changes, especially over the next few years, as this program really matures quickly. And as a result, I think you just have to understand that you know you better have what to do when those changes roll out, uh, and you better have somebody who's monitoring what those you know when those updates happen. Uh, you better have that person either on staff or you know through our virtual compliance officer service. We have an amazing way where we keep up with it for you, uh, and you know you only pay sort of a fraction of the cost of that. So. Uh, somebody's got to be keeping up with it. Somebody's got to be creating those incidents and incident tickets. Somebody's got to be working the tickets and somebody's got to be making the changes and someone's got to go verify the changes got made. And then we've got to analyze, you know, the security impact in there as well. All of those are literally NIST controls. And so I think that that's built into our day-to-day -day procedures for managing our clients. And it should be built into the day-to-day -day procedures for how you run your company. So great question. Hey. Uh, absolutely. And, and we touched a, a, a little bit last week on the fact that um, sometimes a business may not have a dedicated compliance officer, or they may need more help to get their operations on track. So they may look for outside compliance services like ours. It's on the wall there. I won't, I won't do the point again, but let's see, it's there. Um, are, are, are there specific compliance training and educational programs in place to keep employees informed and updated on the latest regulations. You know what's really terrible is there's not. I mean, so there's there's this thing called Project Spectrum from the DoD, uh, and what they put out is they put out a, essentially a basic cybersecurity 101 course. And I think that they've really just, you know, they've really done a poor job with it. And the reason I say it is because you have this thing called Project Spectrum that advertises that it's somewhere loosely affiliated with. NIST SP 800-171, but it's not. It doesn't walk someone through getting compliant for defense work. So we've found numerous clients who go through Project Spectrum and then at the very, like months and months later go, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'm not in the right place here. And then we discover that Project Spectrum is just a basic cybersecurity and cyber hygiene program, and it's not going to get you qualified for defense work. Yikes. So uh, I, I am disappointed by that. I think it's really tough. Um, I think that, you know, if you want guidance as a defense company on being DFARS, NIST, SP 800 compliant, ultimately achieving CMMC certification, you need to work, you need to look to an expert. You need to look to somebody like us who has, um, you know, a specialty in this area. And frankly, without finding, and by the way, I don't mean just like an IT company that hung a shingle out there saying that, you know, they're a compliance company. I mean, like, 
someone who this is what they eat, sleep, live, and breathe, this is what we do. And, and it's the only thing we do. And I think that's where one, you know, a, a compliance officer really comes in is to protect you from uh, the negative consequences of not being compliant. If you don't have that, um, you know, there's a very high likelihood that there's going to be some big penalties headed your way, or at the very least, a lot of opportunity and work that you're missing out on, which is way worse than the penalties, right? I mean, opportunity cost is a very real thing in business. The minimal amount of money that you invest into a compliance officer or a virtual compliance officer with us, uh, the minimal amount of money it takes for us to help you get compliant, um, man, you know, I, all I can tell you is that is small potatoes compared to what happens if you don't follow through. Uh, and I think that's a really tremendous lesson to, um, you know, that we've watched clients learn before. And, and that's why we created the virtual compliance officer program is to have somebody to hold those feet to the fire and actually get it done. Um, and boy, let me tell you what, it feels good when you get there and you're like, hey, look, all our temporary deficiencies are solved. We're compliant. We crossed the finish line. It's a great feeling. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so Mike, it's time to get your goofy shoes on because every, every week we do one of these silly questions. And, uh, as we found out last week, just because it's silly doesn't mean it's irrelevant. So let's, let's strap in and see, and see what happens. And, and this one's, this one's funny. Um, have you ever had a dream that you were being chased by a giant float by giant floating regulations in like a bizarre compliance nightmare? <laughs> I told you it was good. I told you it was good. Well, I can, I can, I can sincerely tell you that uh, fortunately, my dreams are not filled with being chased by compliance nightmares. Um, so uh, you know, it's, you know, it's very interesting. I don't really dream a whole lot. Uh, I really? think I, I'm a pretty deep sleeper. You know, I, uh, I do. You know, I, 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 I'm a pretty big exercise guy. I work out about twice a day. I race cars, so I'm usually in pretty good physical shape for that. Um, and, uh, you know, boy, let me tell you when my head hits, hits that pillow, man, I'm, I'm out, I'm out deep and I'm, I'm out, I'm out for as long as it takes, man. I, so, man, I uh, wish it was, it was like that. I, I'll, I'll, I'll let our listeners or our viewers in on, on something about me is something that I do. Uh, I'm the opposite. I dream super vividly all the time. And sometimes it's not the best thing in the world. Cause one of the things that I do in 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 my off time is i like to write scripts for for different things and just just have some fun and i have in the past had dreams woken up and written them down like in in scene format like that's happened to me so this sound this sounds like a dream that i might have you know i <laughs> I, I i talked in a previous episode about a dream i had where i was being chased through a giant furniture store and i'm not talking like ikea i'm talking like 10 foot tall chairs by 10 foot tall people for a regular size box of cheez-its that i had like these are dreams that i have had in my life so <laughs> it wasn't out of the realm of possibility that that you might have compliance nightmares <laughs> yeah yeah i'll tell you you know i might have uh you know um I think that there was a period of time when I had some client nightmares, but uh, I think we've we've we tend to get rid of those pretty quickly around here. So uh, no, no, you know, again, I think maybe it comes from my perception and and maybe this is a great reminder for the audience, right? There's this perception a lot of times when we walk in, especially with smaller organizations. And they have this big negative connotation. They're like, yeah, you know, we had to hire you guys. We had this no good, awful, rotten compliance thing that landed on my head and we need help getting through it. And I think to myself, you know, there's a reason why the government has legally mandated this. 
And the reason is because it's necessary. And so I don't look at regulations, well, this regulation anyway, as, as negative. I think it's positive. So I don't know if I would really envision myself being chased by it, but I'll tell you what I would do is, is you know, I think regulations and I would be friends. You know, I, I think <laughs> I would have a, an appreciation for a regulation in my dream that would keep me safe. And, um, you know, I have to tell you guys, you know, if, if you're out there in the audience and you're kind of wondering, so we manage technology for hundreds and hundreds of companies. And I think one of the reasons why we really fell in love with this standard is because we lived through the beginnings of ransomware. I mean, we really had some nasty things happen to clients um, and, and we had to fight through and remediate that. And it's not fun. It's really not fun. NIST has allowed us to manage thousands and thousands of endpoints and do so in such a way that we sleep good at night. We don't worry about cyber attack. I'm not gonna tell you we don't worry about it. Trust me, I've got a whole security team that definitely worries about it. But the reality is pretty, pretty cut and dry. Uh, it's kept us safe. It's kept our clients safe. And so, um, you know, I, I guess dreams originate from all kinds of different sources, but usually when I do dream, it's typically because I have a fear of something. I don't fear these regulations. I don't lose sleep over them. Uh, I, in fact, am quite appreciative of the fact that the government has spent, you know, our tax dollars on developing a way to keep us safe. And I even love the fact that they are really trying to actively enforce this. And you know, that's another thing is enforcement has been dramatically stepped up. So I don't know. I suppose if I did have a dream, it, it probably wouldn't be a nightmare. It'd probably be a pretty good dream. And I think I'd wake up and be happy the regulations were there uh, because ultimately at the end of the day, they're, they're here to keep you safe. It's nothing different than an airbag in a car accident. Hey, there you go. That's a that that that's a good analogy. It's funny that you said like you think that that uh, regulations and you would be friends. There's an old um, comedy bit from Jeff Foxworthy, and he said he was talking to a dream interpreter whose job it was to listen to people's dreams and tell them you know what it meant. And and he was talking to this guy, and this guy said, you know what? Next time you have that dream where you're being chased by something, he said, just just stop, turn around, and make friends with it. And Jeff Foxworthy goes, dude, I'm not directing my dream. I can't just do that. Well, you know, and that's what it reminded me of. But uh, you know, what's, you know what's interesting is, you know, I, I studied this uh, when I was younger. I had a fascination with the concept of lucid dreaming. You ever heard of that? I've I've heard of it before, but but uh, tell us more. So, so lucid dreaming is um, lucid dreaming is this interesting dream state where you're not really quite fully asleep, and there is an ability to consciously control your dreams. And, you know, I'm not a sleep expert, but I think that there are different layers and levels of sleep, right? So you have your REM sleep where, where that's intensive, restive, reparative sleep, but then you have sort of a lesser level of sleep where you're kind of half conscious, half not. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm most familiar with that state from taking red-eye flights from California back <laughs> time to time. Uh, and, you know, so you're not like fully deep in sleep, and there is an ability to actually, if as long as you sort of have an intention of it before you go to sleep to control your dreams. And I was always fascinated with that kind of thing, right? The ability to exist in a world that maybe didn't have some of the restrictions that this real world doesn't have. Uh, I just thought that was like the coolest thing for a little while. And I tried to do it. I think they had some like white noise that could help you get into that lucid state. But um, there, there is somewhat of an ability to control dreams, but I also think it depends on did you, before you hit that dream state, did you have an intention to dream? Did you have an intention of what you wanted to happen in the dream? Did you some point in the dream test that it was a dream and not reality? 
And then did you realize during the dream that you could control what was going on? Um, and uh, I just thought that was like the coolest thing. I, I think I maybe got it to work like once or something, but. I don't think I've ever been to the point where I'd be like, okay, I'm going to dream and I'm going to dream about this. But that is a very interesting, interesting concept for sure. Um, you know, especially for someone like me that dreams so vividly all like like dreams in like full like movies like it's just the but uh but yeah that is i you know is how we got onto this topic after all that is is is, is quite funny but on that note uh that wraps up another great episode of mission compliance we we hope that our discussion today has provided you with valuable insights, practical strategies, and inspiration to navigate the ever-evolving world of defense. We'd like to extend our appreciation once again to Mike for joining us. Thanks, Mike. Always a pleasure, Roman. Maybe the audience will try controlling their own dreams from here. <laughs> I know. This will turn into... Did you listen to that dream episode of Mission Compliance? No, 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 that's not what it was about. Uh, <laughs> listen again. But the conversation doesn't end here. We encourage you to continue exploring these topics or dreaming or whatever and connect with us on our social media channels. Share your thoughts and ask questions and engage with fellow listeners by using the hashtag Mission Compliance Podcast. That's right. Mission Compliance Podcast, not lucid dreaming. That's a different hashtag. If you haven't already, don't forget to hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform to be the first to know when new episodes like this one are released. And we truly appreciate it if you could take a moment to rate and review the show. Your feedback helps us helps to helps us to continue to bring you thought-provoking episodes and high-quality content. Join us again on the next episode of Mission Compliance as we delve further into the dynamic world of defense, security, industry innovation, and probably not dreaming. Uh, until then, take care, stay informed, sleep tight, and make compliance your mission. See you next time. Thanks, everybody.